the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my turn. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now, here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, a program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Friends, it's great to be with you today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you as we have a few minutes together to talk about the issues that confront us in our community, our state, and our nation. Of course, as you know, as you've come to know on the Roger Franklin Williams Show, we talk about those issues from a perspective that honors America's founding traditions of God, family, and country, that respects and honors our founding documents, our Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution of the United States, and especially the Bill of Rights, which specifically enumerate our rights and in such a way that protects us from the overreach of government, or certainly should protect us from the overreach of government, and limits the power of government and promotes and and enshrines the rights of the individual. Obviously, don't need to tell you these um, our individual rights, constitutional liberties, even the the philosophical foundation for our constitutional liberties are under extreme attack now by powerful forces. What powerful forces? Well, of course, you know, big tech, a very recent phenomenon. Um, pretty much you know, flexing their muscle in the past year, shutting down a president, uh, you know, censoring a president, c- kicking him off the platforms where he was reaching directly uh, citizens, going around the, the, the left-wing corporate media. And, oh, yeah, by the way, speaking of threats to our freedom, the left-wing corporate media, um, huge elements of the Democrat Party, the leadership, I would say, of the Democrat Party, huge part of the Democrat um, Party base now uh, is basically – essentially leftist, uh, Marxist leftist. So those are what I mean by <laughs> the threats that we, that we face. Anyway, on our program, we, we address that. You know, we've been doing so more this year than, um, you know, recently because of just, uh, because of the necessity of it. Later in our program, we're going to hear from a young man who has been on the forefront in just the past four years or so, um, in fighting for our constitutional liberty. He's, He was elected as a state representative, was reelected by a landslide margin in the most recent um, camp election of 2020. And he's on the – and now he's announced that he's a candidate for United States Congress in 2022. That's, of course, Representative Anthony Sabatini. Representative Sabatini will be joining us a little bit later in our show. Um, And we'll get into – explore these – some of these issues more in depth with him. Uh, before we, though, go uh, to another topic, I do just want to address this whole issue of the big tech uh, situation because I, it, is, it is such a new phenomenon. 
And it's really, I think, caught and caught a lot of us off guard, including myself. And, you know, the, you know, Barry Goldwater had a famous quote, and it was specifically about government. And he says, you know, the, it's essentially the paraphrase that, you know, the, the government that can give you everything want, you want can also take it all away. And that's the way I see these big tech oligarchs today. I mean, the the the, the big tech uh, organization uh, communication network, whether it's Google or Twitter or Facebook or you know, Amazon, some of the others that, that that give you so much, give us so much of what we want every day that which some of us you know in, participate in frequently and enjoy it. Uh, Twitter, uh, being on Twitter, being on Facebook. I'm on Facebook almost every day. It's been a, a valuable, um, you know asset, generally speaking, in my life, both in terms of keeping up with friends, reconnecting with old friends, some of which go all the way back to high school and before uh, that I'd lost touch with and really had no way to find over the past 30, 40 years um, in promoting our radio shows, getting the word out about things I'm doing. You know, these are, um, you know, powerful tools uh, that have you know, their, their, you know, their share of advantageous uh, qualities. Amazon, you know, so many people have just come to just rely on Amazon for incredibly convenient uh, shopping experiences. So, but anyway, but, uh, you know, you pull back the curtain, though, and, and look who, you're deal- who, who we're dealing with now. People who have an overt um, leftist mentality, globalist leftist mentality, and who are overtly um, – and I would say even belligerently hostile uh, to the United States of America, uh, to uh, to our our founding traditions, to our constitutional heritage, to our uh, basis on individual right, God given in, individual rights, and so and they've got the power now to to shut people down. That if you can shut down Donald Trump, that's a lot of power, especially if you can shut down the President of the United States, and that's and that's something that you know, it's not in the in the American tradition at all. You know what's um, your free, the the free speech. You know the the marketplace of ideas. You know, the the days when you know, the TV, television networks would clear off an hour of programming uh, for the president to come on. Um, you know at, at at the president's request to come on and address the nation, regardless of what party he was, regardless of what side of the fence uh, he or she was. Um, yeah, you know now that is not only is that out the window. Window, um, you've actually got overt, uh, full-blown censorship, and, it, and it's originating from these so-called big tech uh, companies like, like we've seen with Twitter, and m- many of you have, have experienced it on Facebook. Um, just saw a good friend of mine today posted about being in, quote, Facebook jail, getting suspended from Facebook for a couple of days because of a post. And then another thing is that some of the, the, the things that get censured uh, specifically on Facebook are patriotic or religious type things. They're not politically offensive at all. Uh, they're not obscene, certainly not. Uh, anything like that, it's just overt uh, political, uh, patriotic post, overt Christian-oriented post. So anyway, we're, we're, that's something that's really come out of the blue within essentially the, the last – it's really it, weird. It's ugly head in the last year, uh, flexing more and more power every day. And this is something we're going to have to deal with. Oh, what are the answers? I don't really know the answers other than we have to, first of all, recognize the problem. And, you know, just make it, you know, you know, take up the initiative, have the courage to push back in whatever means that we can, the resources that we have, and let God figure out the rest. Uh, having said that, you know, and one, one of the reasons I'm glad we're going to have Anthony Sabatini on the show today is because he has been at the forefront 
of pushing back, of um, you know, advocating for freedom. And he's done it in, in you know, a, a variety of ways, but specifically two ways. One, um, you know, in his own personal sphere, whether it's utilizing Facebook or, or you know, the, the resources at hand. Um, but then also he, which, you know, his own personal sphere ended up with being him running for the legislature and getting elected about four or five years ago, uh, serving there, getting reelected in a landslide. Um, and then now he's you know taking his crusade, attempting to take his crusade to Congress as a congressional election. But the point is, he is a guy who's been at the forefront. He is a guy not sitting back and not just talking a good game you know, um, on the sidelines, but who's literally actively engaged, actively engaged in a leadership position, um, in, in, in an inspirational position. And, um, and has been a great guide and an example of what we need to do to preserve our freedom. And part of that's going to have to be battling. <laughs> There's no, no other doubt about it. Now I would like to let you know, coming up in our next segment, I'm, I'm especially, um, excited about our next guest. And, you know, it's going to be a pretty, this is going to be a pretty radical uh, segue, if you will, from, you know, the topic we've just been talking about. But one of the, uh, in, in our next segment, we look forward to a conversation that I had uh, recorded a couple of days ago with Emily Carasoni. Emily Carasoni is a product of Orlando. She's a product of Pine Castle Christian Academy and that outstanding softball program under the, the leadership of Coach Mark Richhart some years ago. Um, she went on from there after playing on, on multiple state championship teams and being um, awarded um, making all state multiple years at Pine Castle, went on to Auburn University uh, on, on scholarship to play softball. She was a four-year starter at Auburn, a three-time All-American at Auburn, was recognized as one of the top five softball players in the country. Uh, collegiate softball players during her time at Auburn and then went from there to play professional softball. And well, she, Emily is participating in the Olympic Games. Uh, and actually, she's on the Italian women's softball Olympic team. And uh, we, I was able to catch up with her. Uh, we had a conversation over the phone for, you know, from, from Japan, where she is there competing in the Olympic Games for Italy. And uh, I just think that you'll in, enjoy hearing that. It was kind of a particular thrill for me. I had a somewhat of a personal connection with Emily Carasoni. I was actually the head baseball coach at Pine Castle Christian Academy for one year, 2012, uh, which actually happened to be Emily's senior year at Pine Castle Christian Academy. And that team made it to the all the way to the state championship game, lost a heartbreaker uh, in the bottom of the seventh inning, actually. But um it was just, uh, you know, it's, it's it's a thrill to see somebody that you knew that you that you knew in their formative uh, years, uh, somebody going back to their high school days who's continued to have great success in their chosen field and her field at softball, and and now to actually be a participant in the 2021 Olympic Games, and um, you know, was able to track Emily down with the help of her dad, Pat Carasoni, and really look forward to having a to, to great conversation with her in, in our next segment, and, and I hope that you'll enjoy that as well. Before we go further, of course, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Thompson Jewelers, and of course, as you've come to know, Thompson Jewelers supports our stations, the new AM950, FM94.9, The Answer, and our messages of patriotism and support for our free enterprise system. 
It's Thompson Jewelers, of course. They're Orlando's longest-serving jeweler, family-owned and operated in Orlando since 1948. They're located in the Colonial Plaza on at the corner of West Colonial and Bumby. So in just a moment, we'll take a break, and then when we come back, we'll hear, uh, if everything goes well, our conversation with Emily Carasoni, product of Pinecastle Christian Academy uh, and the outstanding softball program there, multiple state championships, uh, then product of Auburn University, where she was the three-time All-American, and currently um, a player on the Italian women's Olympic softball team. You're listening to The Roger Franklin Williams Show, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome back. Now we have a special guest actually joining us from Bukashima, Japan. In a moment, we'll be joined by Emily Carasoni, and she's a member of the, she's an Orlando native who's a member of the Italian Olympic women's softball team. Tell you a little bit about her before she joins us. Emily Carasoni is a native of Orlando. She played softball at Pine Castle Christian Academy from 2006 to 2012, where she was a six-year starter. And, of course, that was on one of the more <clears throat> most outstanding girls softball teams in the state of Florida. In fact, during her time at Pine Castle and Coach Mark Richard's program, Emily played on two state championship teams, played in multiple state championship games, went on. She was highly recruited player out of Pine Castle, selected Auburn University. She was a four-year starter at Auburn, a three-time All-American, a two-time SEC Tournament Most Valuable Player, and was recognized as one of the top five women's college softball players in the country during her college days. She also played professionally with the Chicago Bandits, now she's preparing to compete in the 2021 Olympic Games uh, as a member of the Italian Olympic softball team. Now we're pleased to be joined by Emily Kirasoni calling us from Japan. Hello, Emily. Thanks for joining us. No problem. My pleasure. Really appreciate you carving some time out of your very busy schedule as you prepare to compete at literally the highest level. Um, first of all, I'll ask the most basic and obvious question. You know, many of our listeners uh, were aware of your extraordinary career at Pine Castle Christian Academy and then later at Auburn um, and followed you, as, as I did. Uh, but do you remember, um, can, can you share with us how you became a member of the Italian Olympic women's softball team? Yeah, I was playing professionally uh, with the Chicago Bandits, as you mentioned, and a couple of the girls were playing in the Italian League. And we started having conversations, and, you know, I was telling them that I was Italian and I would love to go over there. Um, And to be able to go over there, I had to get an Italian passport. And that was a very long process. took me about three years um, to get that dual citizenship. Uh, I had to get a bunch of paperwork, marriage certificates, uh, marriage licenses, any kind of divorce papers, birth certificates. I mean, you name it, I had to find it. 
Um, and at the time, it was very difficult because my Italian heritage comes from my father's side. And at the time, most of his family had passed away. So it was very difficult to find those paperwork. And, you know, I'd find one and then they'd ask for two more and I'd, I'd be stuck at a dead end. Um, and it was a long process that we were determined to get, me and my family, me and my dad. Um, and sooner or later, we were able to get all the paperwork we needed. Um, right before the Olympic qualifier, which was in 2019, um, over the summer. And I finally got it. I had just gotten traded to the USSA Pride Professional League team. And the day after I got traded, I got called for the Italian national team that my passport was ready and that I needed to fly to Miami, uh, I was in Ohio at the time. Um, I had about 12 hours to prepare and pack and head down to Orlando, and my dad picked me up, and we drove down to Miami, picked up my passport, let the Italian team know that, hey, I got it. I sent them in a picture, and they responded with, great, get on a flight tonight. So I jumped on the flight and was able to meet up with the team about three days before the Olympic qualifier. Um, and the rest is history. <laughs> That's wonderful. Then, of course, you still had to uh, to compete and make the team, which you did. And very exciting. We're speaking with Emily Carasoni. She's a member of the Italian Olympic women's softball team, and she's, of course, a native of Orlando, she, where she had a, a stellar softball career at Pinecastle Christian Academy and then later Auburn University, where she was recognized as one of the top five women's college softball players in the country and a three-time All-American with the Auburn Tigers. Now, Emily, can you tell us a little bit about what's what's in store? When is your first game, and what is the process? How many games will you play, and, and, and how will it be determined if you, uh, you win, win a medal on the Italian women's softball team? We have about six games. We started our first one today against uh, Team USA. Uh, it was 2-0. to zero. Did not go in our favor, but I was really proud of our Italian team for the way we competed and the way we pitched and the way we hit. We did a lot of things right. Um, the score didn't reflect that, but we knew that we're going to lose some and we're going to win some. So our plan is to bounce back tomorrow um, and we play Australia. And then the opening ceremony for the Olympics is the 23rd, our 23rd. <laughs> Um, so two days from me with the 12-hour time difference that we have. Um, and then then we'll go from there. Very exciting stuff. And thank you for uh, taking a little time to, to join us uh, actually on game day, Olympic game day. That's uh, really appreciate you joining us because we're speaking with Emily Carasoni. She's a native of Orlando, played softball at Pine Crashville Christian Academy, and Coach Mark Richard's outstanding program there from 2006 to 2012. Yes, she was a six-year starter at Pine Castle, played four years as a starter at Auburn University, where she was a three-time All-American, two-time SEC tournament MVP, and recognized as one of the top five women's collegiate softball players in the country during her college days, and also played professionally with the Chicago Bandits. Now, Emily, can you 
talk about a little bit about um, your journey and, and you know since we have the Pine Castle Christian Academy connection I was the baseball coach there when you were you know in, in coach Richard's phenomenal softball program um can you uh, how did you know your your experience at Pine Castle help prepare you for the f- future success that you've had in the game of softball I think about that question a lot you know as I get older and what each coach that I had that trained me, you know, I got a little bit from each, you know, I also played on the basketball team with coach Nicola and he, he taught me that even when I'm tired, you know, you got to keep pushing. And even though your, your body's tired, your, your, your mind can't be, and your mind's always got to stay locked in, you know, from coach Richard, I really learned how to be a leader on the field and, to help my teammates out and also help myself out, you know, a lot of visualizing techniques um, and, and how to communicate on the field, not just in between pitches, but during pitches, you know, he was big on saying something every pitch. And I remember my first practice with the Auburn Tigers, we were having a scrimmage when I was a freshman and at that point, I didn't know if I was going to be a starter. You know, I knew, in my mind, I may have a chance, but being a freshman, I wasn't sure. And after the first practice, I remember Coach uh, Tina Deese pointing me out specifically that I was the one talking every pitch, and that was something that she loved. And I think it all just comes down to being a leader on the field, and that's something that um, Coach Richard definitely matured me for and and taught me how to do you know even even if things were going on outside of the softball field to lead them off the field and 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 be a good teammate you know and and leave everything off the field and and come ready to play and give it a hundred percent even when your body's not feeling like it wants to um and to stay mentally strong within the game incredible things to learn and thank you for sharing with us Guys, we're speaking with Emily Carasoni. She's a member of the Italian women's Olympic softball team. She's a native of Orlando and was a standout player at Pine Castle Christian Academy and a four-year starter at Auburn University where she was a three-time All-American. Now, Emily, I, we've got about three minutes. Um, really appreciate you joining us today. And I, I'd like to ask you this other question. It's also about development. You know, of course, I, as we're both aware, your, your dad, Pat Carasoni, is your biggest fan and I suspect that he had a, a guiding hand, a strong guiding hand in your, you know, even you know, pl- playing the game of softball and your development. Can you just speak a little bit about, about uh, your dad's influence? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've had, like I said, I've had a lot of coaches in my life, um, even in college and, and now. And whenever something wasn't going right, take my swing, for example, you know, if something didn't feel right, my dad was the first person I called. Um, not because he knows everything about a perfect swing, but because he knows everything about my swing. He's watched me since I've grown up. He knows exactly what I've grown up doing. And we've always stuck to do what is best for you, um, which is to hit ground balls, low line drives, hit the ball up the middle. Don't think too much. Just, just try and barrel up the ball. So, my dad is the best coach I've ever had. Um, 
he's the only one that's been with me throughout my whole softball career. And when, when things go wrong, he's the first person I call. And that's what I tell my Auburn girls. Um, since I'm the coach at Auburn, one of the assistant coaches at Auburn, that's what I also try to explain to them that, you know, family is important and your family is always going to be there for you. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing with us. We've got about a minute. Uh, anything else you'd like to share with it for the folks back home today? I am very proud of where I've came, come from. Um, I'm proud to say I went to Pine Castle Christian Academy. I'm proud to say I went to Auburn, you know, but Orlando, Florida definitely has a special place in my heart. Um, you know, with me playing on the Italian national team, I had a 30 minute long video with everybody back from Florida congratulating me, showing their support. Um, and it, it means a lot. So, um, no matter how far up I go, I will always remember Orlando, Florida. Wonderful. Really appreciate you joining us. Best wishes as you continue your progress through the six, five more games you play for the Italian women's Olympic softball team. Best wishes to you, and thank you for joining us for a few minutes, especially on game day at the Olympics. It was my pleasure. I enjoyed it. Wonderful. But best wishes. We'll follow you, and we look forward to maybe catching up with you after it's all over. That sounds good to me. Our own hometown Olympian, Emily Carasoni, member of the Italian women's Olympic softball team, native of Orlando, product of Pine Castle Christian Academy, and, of course, Auburn University. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome. Best wishes. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, back to the studio, here's Roger Franklin Williams. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, the program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, and country. Right now, we're pleased to be speaking with Representative Anthony Sabatini, state representative who covers a large part of Lake County. He's also a candidate for United States Congress in the 2022 elections. We'll go to Representative Sabatini in just a moment. First, I want to let you know that the guys at at um, Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair have everything you'll need for hurricane preparation and hurricane cleanup. You can find out more at Apopka Mower dot com or visit their Facebook page, Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair. It's where they sell the best and they fix the rest. Now let's go to Representative Anthony Sabatini. Hello, uh, Representative Sabatini. Thank you for joining us. It's always great to catch up with you. Uh, first of all, I'd like to talk, to ask you a question that's related to your effort, your ongoing efforts to, I guess, put to push back against, I guess, the uh, the hysteria and the the uh, constitutional overreach of of you know this whole covid you know situation and you know as as i know you predicted and as, as i expected you know, now now we um seem to have a, a, a another counterattack if you will um of of um you know people that want to you know continue to infringe upon our rights or, or go back to doing what they were doing uh, you know, last year about this time. Can you give us a, a, an update on, on where things stand right now? 
Well, we're seeing, a, obviously, a secondary resurgence, second wave of just radical left policies being pushed uh, at our Republican leaders, Republican states, especially here in Florida, trying to get people in political positions to adopt the failed strategies of last year. Um, you know, I was proud to fight mask mandates, lockdowns, school closures, and all the rest of the nonsense that occurred, curfews, all of it. From day one, minute one, I was against all of the COVID mitigation because I knew that there was no data supporting it, and I knew what it really was. It's a power grab. It's about inserting and increasing, enlarging the role of government in our lives and the ability of the government to mandate uh, what it thinks is best for us and to take away our choice-making, our liberty to choose and plan our own lives. So, you know, we finally, you know, finally the Republican elected class caught up to me and did the right thing by the end of the year. It took them a while. I mean, some in Florida were quicker than others, but overall they did a pretty, pretty bad job. They finally kind of figured it out by the end of the year. And now I, I think you're seeing them waver again. Uh, the, the, the control and the poll, the power of the media combined with the Democrat uh, attack machine is making some Republicans, uh, like, for example, Alabama Republican Governor Kay Ivey, uh, go on a full frenzied attack against anybody who wants to keep their medical uh, vaccine history and decision-making private and individualized and attacking anyone who doesn't want to uh, support mask mandates and all the rest of this nonsense. So, you know, we just need to stand fast and do the right thing and really try to de-institutionalize the left. Why are we even listening to these people? All these, you know, fake, all this pseudoscience, fake science, these institutions we've lost to the left, uh, you know, letting them try to bully us and, uh, tell us what to do we should be removing them from positions of power within our state so we don't have to deal with them to begin with but that's just me no that leads to the next question and i made that observation as well and i'm sure our listeners have as well yeah a lot of the uh people on the quote-unquote conservative side elected republicans uh, republicans in media even a conservative um are starting i think to to fold, for lack of a better word, and, and what I mean specifically in terms of of the the virus, I mean the 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 vaccine. Now, personally, I'm highly skeptical of the vaccine and do not feel good about about taking it. I have I haven't taken it personally, um, and I, I certainly understand anybody that, that would not want to. Don't quite understand all the people that are that, that are taking it. Um, but um, you know, in recent days, we've seen people like Sean Hannity come out. Uh, and and advocate uh, taking the vaccines. Is, is there something going on behind the scenes, um, you know, in in terms of, of pressure that that you know the general public, those of us in the general public, don't see right now? Yeah, I think it's just uh, people who don't have don't have a steady reserve of uh, willpower. They just are they're pushed and shoved by whatever liberal influences are, are exist, and that's what they're. And, and that's and that's what they'll do. They'll do whatever it takes to evade being shamed and attacked. And so you got people like Sean Hannity who act conservative, and then you know as soon as the corporate uh, the corporate powers that be are pushing them to make a statement about vaccines, it gets put in. I mean, they're controlled by the producers of Fox News, which are liberal woke globalists that hate this country. Fox News is no friend to the American people. Uh, it just has a business model that most conservative Americans, half, our, half of our country, uh, find to be entertaining and helpful for their, uh, you know, preferred way of intake taking in the news. But doesn't mean it's actually a friend of uh, liberty and freedom and common sense. And so uh, it, it, we're seeing another sustained woke push 
at trying to invade people's medical decision making and medical privacy. And uh, you know, don't don't ever put your don't ever have too much faith in people like Sean Hannity because they're just going to let you down every time. The truth is, most of our politicians are going to let you down. You know, that's why we need to be skeptical of all these power centers and people just need to, you know, get a new class of Republicans elected and a new class of Republicans who understand the threats that we're up against. You know, we have now people in this country that want to literally strip you of every decision you have. They want to shame you if you don't make the medical decisions that they believe are best. So I think that's just wrong. Friends, you're listening to the Roger Frank and William show right now. We're speaking with representative Anthony Sabatini, state representative, Anthony Sabatini, and he is a candidate for Congress in the 2022 congressional elections. He serves in Lake County, represents a large part of Lake County right now in the legislature. He's, from my perspective, was the leading advocate for constitutional freedom during the whole COVID crisis in 2020. And as as we can as you, we can hear, he's still at the forefront of advancing protection of our civil liberties versus the forces that want to infringe upon them uh, using the COVID virus as, as their tool most recently. Um, now, Representative Sanfantini, I'd like to, that, that gives me the opportunity to shift and then talk about your congressional election. Can you once again, just share briefly why you've chosen to take this step to, uh, to, you know, leave your seat in, in the leg- Florida legislature where you're doing such a fantastic job and all, just got reelected in a landslide um, oh, and, and, and then seek a position in Congress. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, the, uh, congr- you know, elections going really good. You know, obviously I think what we need is a new class of Republicans that when they get elected are going to fight against some of the fights that you highlight on your show and especially the one that we just spoke about. And, uh, yeah, that's what kind of prompted me to run. I wasn't originally going to run, uh, but I decided to, uh, jump in when I decided that you know we don't have Republicans in power who are equipped to fight against these new types of threats to our liberty that the left puts up. So that's what kind of got me into it. No, I'd like to get your assessment. I, I'm not uh, you know as as hands on as I was some years ago, and don't have quite the the the, the insights into the inside of things. Um, so I, my question to you is, and and you know from my from my outsider's perspective now. There seems to be kind of a new generation of conservatives and conservative Republicans who are you have more backbone, who are more combative, if you will, more aggressive, um, you know, less less afraid of, of of the of the left and the the you know, the corporate media, uh, left wing corporate media. Um, is that an accurate perception? Yeah, I think that's accurate. You know, the stakes are higher now. You know, ten twenty years ago, we we're talking about a different set of issues, issues that if we lost on you know, might not have actually destroyed the country overnight, whereas I think if we lose on the issues that are high, that are important today, we'll lose the country permanently. Like, they're more existential. So, like, the border immigration and illegal immigration issues, if, you know, we lose on those issues, the country's gone. We just simply won't have a base of traditional patriotic Americans that understand the history of the country and the Constitution who have been already assimilated into the country to sustain its institutions, they just we just simply won't have enough of those Americans. They'd be dwarfed by first-generation Americans who polls show 40% of uh, are actually totally fine with the socialist form of government. That's, that's an accurate poll showing what new first-generation Americans think about socialism. 
So uh, that's existential. You know, the existential attacks on our liberty, you know, lockdowns. If we allow the Democrats to keep permanent power in this country and they can just at any given time centrally plan everything in our lives to tell you you're not essential, you have to stay home, you have to wear this when you leave your house, you can't say this, et cetera, you know, we'll lose the country. If we allow big tech to have unlimited reign of our lives, of our, our First Amendment rights, our ability to speak and associate and uh, say what it is we think to be true, if we allow them to censor that and cut that off and spy on our text messages like they're trying to do and all this other stuff, you know, we just won't have any communicative, uh, communicative ability. We won't be able to organize as a patriotic movement. We'll lose the country. So the stakes are way higher now than they've ever been. And so it is, it is leading to a new breed, a new type of Republican fighter that I think understands them. I mean, the Republicans who are willing to run now are the ones who are willing to sustain relentless attacks by the left and by leftist institutions across the country on a daily basis. I mean, just look at some of the things they say and do about me. Now, the, the, the truth is none of it really bothers me, but what's, what's happening is Republicans like me are getting elected who are able to sustain those attacks on the left and, and actually sort of enjoy fighting against them to stick up for our country. So, yeah, a lot of those Republicans are changing. You're, you're not seeing the old country club style, you know, George Bush style, soft, you know, soft, bipartisan, kind of boring Republican that was willing to just lose time after time after time again on important issues and and and, uh, and not and not be affected by it, not not care about that. That's a great. Uh great uh, development i'd like to pick it up there when we come back from our break and before we go to a break yes i used to characterize it uh back in the day as uh the uh, my perception of the washington republicans were they they were content to be the washington generals if you will uh you know of of the political uh arena um but but anyway we're uh, gonna go to break friends right here on the roger frank and williams show when we come back we'll continue to speak with representative anthony sabatini who represents big part of Lake County in the Florida legislature, and who is a candidate for Congress in the 2022 congressional elections. Please stay with us. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's Roger. And this is my turn. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. We're glad you're joining us today. Great to be with you. Right, we have a great guest right now. We're speaking with Representative Anthony Sabatini. He represents a big part of Lake County in the Florida legislature. Of course, he's in his second term. He was reelected in a landslide against stiff opposition from the Democrats and from the left um, in the most recent 2020 elections. He's also announced that he will seek a position in the United States Congress in the 2022 congressional elections. Before we go back to Representative Sabatini, I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Sheeler Auto Repair. And as you know, I've spoken to you about how comforting it is to have a place where you can trust to take your car when you have um, you know, anything you know, that needs fixing with it, but particularly an emergency situation. Well, unfortunately, I had that emergency situation last week. In fact, I actually had to be towed over there. Um, once again, you know, you have those thoughts about, I just have no idea how much this is going to cost. Obviously, if the car won't run, it's probably going to be something pretty serious, which means it's probably going to be something pretty expensive. Well, I want to let you know that I was that I was able to get it over there. Um, they got right to work on it, got it back uh, promptly, 
And, you know, the bill wasn't quite <laughs> as devastating as I thought it would be. And, of course, as we all know, that's not the case everywhere you might uh, take your car in an emergency situation. So main thing I wanted you to know about those guys is you can trust the guys at Sheila Auto Repair. And you can find them at 1908 South Orange Blossom Trail, a Popkin. Now back to Representative Anthony Sabatini. And, yeah, kind of like to pick up with this new generation. It's been very encouraging to me. In fact, it's one of the one of the few uh, encouraging developments you have seen over the last several years. Um, is this new generation of uh, firebrand conservatives, if you will, of uh, Republicans, and and you're at the forefront of it. And, and you know, one of the things I have noticed, and I got to give uh, President Trump, you know, all the credit in the world was, I, I think he kind of showed. Um, that you can be combative to the media. You don't just have to fold. You don't have to try to finesse them. You don't have to try to be, you know, play their game um, and be their whipping boy. You can really just you know, confront them aggressively, um, and and there's there's benefits, uh, political benefits to that um, at the ballot box. You know, because now for, one of the one of the fortunate developments of the recent years, as so many Americans now get. They understand the incredible bias uh, in the left-wing corporate media, and and um, you know, it's so obvious that that you know, you know anybody who who pushes back um, against that instead of just sits there and take it or try to finesse it, it, it there's there's going to be some political uh, points to be scored there. Can can you address that? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean. Uh Standing up, and when you stand up and fight, they're always going to come at you. And uh, what we have now is, like you said, Republicans are willing to just do the actual fighting. You always had the Mitt Romney types that didn't want to stand up and do what was necessary. They always wanted to stop a little bit short. That's what Donald Trump would always say about Mitt Romney was he respected Obama too much. He was too nice with, uh, you know, a horrible, un-American president like Barack Obama. He should have been a punching bag, but instead he was a formidable adversary to him so i mean you know you don't get into the republican party now unless you you you're ready to, to fight and ready to stand up for these super important matters and so that's that's what's drawing a difference between that now and then that then and today now i before we go further i i, I want to while we're speaking i do want to get your thoughts on cuba first of all what's going on down there can you share some insights um and and what are your thoughts on where it, where it might lead, and, and what should well, be the role of the United States in this? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, I of course, right off the bat, said there needs to be an ultimatum given. I left it a little bit of ambiguity there about who does it, because I do believe it should be international effort. But there should be an ultimatum, get, ultimatum given, given to the Cuban communist leaders in that country, the regime there, uh, telling them that if they don't immediately assist in transitioning that form of government from socialism and communism to a uh, free market economy that respects individual rights, you know, a republic, then uh, they should be charged with war crimes, prosecuted, potentially executed. Um, I believe there should be international cooperation. I think the United States needs to look at organizations like the Organization of American States, which is all the Latin American countries, 30-some-odd countries, um, and uh, maybe have some other international partners and push these other countries to join in the embargo against Cuba if they do not change their form of government immediately. Now, the Biden administration just the other day said they're going to just continue the sanctions or maybe put one or two extra sanctions on. That's fine, good and dandy, but it's not working. We need to sustain pressure. This is the only moment 
in 60 years that the Cuban people have had an organized political movement against the regime on the island, like I said, 60 years. So this is an imperative moment for the international community to support them, get together, and build pressure to change the regime. If you don't do it, then it's over. Now, there's been talk about airstrikes or invasions and all this other stuff. I think it's too early uh, for the country, the United States, to, to really talk about land war and all that. I think that there's a lot of pressure that you can put on by demanding our own, our own uh, supposed uh, allies to join us in the embargo. The truth is, if X amount of the large economic forces in the world do an embargo on Cuba, then you're not going to have a Cuba that wants to uh, sustain its normal pace. It only has a few allies already, and other countries are uh, freely trading with it. So, And if those countries are not willing to engage with us on Cuba, I don't think you're really, I just being very realistic, I don't think you're going to see change in Cuba unless there was an actual war, land war, in the island. Now, I don't know if the United States is ready for anything like that, but I do believe that uh, we need to we need to put that pressure on our allies. If not, then, you know, they, I think the Cuban patriots are simply doomed. So it's time for us to be tougher with our allies, like Donald Trump would probably suggest, which he always did. Friends, we're speaking with Representative Anthony Sabatini on the Roger Franklin Williams Show, state representative. He's also a candidate for United States Congress in the 2022 congressional elections. And I would like you—you know, you mentioned a, a moment ago about how things are—you know—things have changed, in that the stakes are so much higher now um, in terms of the battle versus you know conservative versus liberal, which is now full-blown left-wing Marxist. I mean, I, I agree a million percent. You know, I, I think that uh, you know the, our, our literally our, our future as free men and women hang in the balance uh, right now, and. Um, you know, and I've really only been come to think that way in the past year, you know, because of some rather dramatic developments. Uh, one of those is, and 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 and, and, a, and a, an example of of an issue where I personally have have shifted my views was, and I think I think there's a significant other of, of other Republicans and conservatives as well. Charlie Kirk is kind of kind of a leading voice on this issue. Is is the relationship of so-called what we call big tech, you know, the big tech oligarchs, you know, the, the literally the handful of companies. Google, Facebook, Twitter, um, Amazon, et cetera, who, 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 you know, command so much control over our lives. And, you know, they, they've exhibited themselves to be woke, you know, leftist and, and they are literally shutting down uh, free speech. Now, at one point, myself and I would have just thought, well, my thinking on, on that kind of thing, the private sector was, Hey, you know, the free market will work everything out. You know, you know, Adam Smith, the uh, theory of the visible hand, just let the free market play itself out and things will work out well. Well, I mean, it, it's obvious that that's not, it's not, things are not going in that direction. And we literally have an olig- an unelected oligarchy, which seems to be monolithically left-wing and anti-American. Um, can you share your thoughts and, and, and what, what can be done? I know you've already taken some efforts to, to address this. Yeah, yeah. Uh... There's some very un-American things going on. Do you mean like more in the education system? Well, no, just just the collusion. You know, I mean, at one point, I think the kind of the laissez-faire uh, Republican slash libertarian point of view was, well, you know, government, you know, government shouldn't be trying to regulate, uh, yeah. you know, Google. I mean, you know, hey, you know, that's the free market. Uh, that's the private sector, which right. which now, I mean, I, you know, I think government does need to need to step in and, uh, and you know, and, and, you know, protect uh, constitutional rights. Yeah, so basically we need to be protecting liberty in our free market economy 
and religious liberty and freedom of speech, you know, not just from government, but from any extremely powerful entity that has concentrated power. The big tech companies now, the big companies in this country, the globalist country, don't have the, the citizens of this nation at heart. They don't have this country in their heart. They are only trying to seek their own, uh, increasing their own power. So now they are a larger threat to liberty than actually, in some cases, the actual federal government is or state government. So it's not just government we need to be keeping our eye on, but it's these big companies. We need to be restraining their ability to bully smaller, weaker companies and individual citizens. And so that's that. Those are the, those are the new threats that we're facing. You know, the, the founding fathers knew that if certain companies like the British East India Tea Company and these like monopoly company like fur trading companies could have been essentially bigger and more powerful than state governments in the, in the colonies or in col- colonial governments. Uh, you know, pre-American revolution, they knew that they were threats, too. They knew that they were uh, somebody that needed to be watched, uh, you know, carefully guarded to make sure they're not violating the rights of individual citizens. But th- that wasn't happening. Well, the truth is now it's happening. Now they're actually going out, shutting down your free speech, shutting down uh, through uh, monopolistic practices, shutting down your ability to compete in the free marketplace, um, you know, encouraging illegal immigration, which drives down wages and throws rent rates up and all the rest of it so yeah we need to be we need to get rid of this 19th century ridiculous distinction between a powerful government and a giant powerful company that can hurt the rights of citizens and start regulating both you know it's about protecting freedom doesn't matter who's the who the threat is that's a threat to freedom if it's a threat to freedom it needs to be dealt with accordingly it doesn't matter if it's private or public uh in terms of the legal category it's in it's kind of a silly distinction that Republicans and conservatives held on to for a long time, but now it's time for that distinction to go away. Very well said. Well, Representative Anthony Sabatini, candidate for Congress in 2022, thank you for joining us once again, and thank you for some tremendous uh, insights and wisdom. Absolutely. Always appreciate having on. Talk to you. Have a good weekend. Talk to you soon. Thank you, friends. Representative Anthony Sabatini. And friends, hope you've enjoyed the show today. Had some great guests and um, some significant guests, and of course, Representative Sabatini always has substantive information to share, and it's always from a perspective that honors our constitutional liberties and our founding traditions in America. Thank our producer, Jeff. Thank our guest on our program today. Hope you have a great day. Thank you.